Welcome to the Creating an Action Plan workshop. My name is Bonnie, and I am a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please. Hi. <laughs> Ooh, so many. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Before we get started, uh, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off now. If you're not sure, please turn it off. Okay. We remind you that this session is being taped and all speakers must sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. And last but not least, the opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this session is as follows. We will have three speakers who will each share for 18 minutes, followed by three-minute open pitches until the end of the session. Um, and for timing this session, I would like to have somebody in the first few rows that would volunteer to time if you've got a cell phone or a watch or something that you can do that, okay. And then you just want to hold it up for the speaker when there's 10 minutes left and five minutes and one minute and time's up. So thank you. Appreciate that. Great. Great. Thank you. Okay. Um, the topic for this session is creating an OA action plan, letting go of magical thinking. The following is a reading from Voices of Recovery, page 96. God is not my arms and legs. It is up to me to do the footwork. Ours is a program of action. That is from For Today, page 136. These words gave me a real wake-up call. I had been abstinent from compulsive eating for 18 months and had seen some great improvements in my life. Many of the important relationships in my life had been healed and improved, Many of the resentments I had carried for years were gone. I felt better about myself, and I had lost 20 pounds. But my weight was at a standstill. It was no longer enough to pray each day and say, my higher power will take care of it. He did take care of it. He showed me those words. I must use my arms and legs to do the footwork. I must work the steps, do my daily reading, writing, and praying. Most important of all, I must ask him each day to help me put down the food. It is my arms that put it in my mouth. I must ask for help from my higher power, my sponsor, and my group. That is where my strength and serenity comes from, and that is how I will reach and maintain a healthy weight. Our first speaker is Dave B. And again, they will each speak for 18 minutes. 18 minutes? <laughs> Dave, compulsive overeater. Hi, Dave. I'm here because I'm a member of the fellowship. Uh, and uh, I came to OA. Uh, my experience, strength, and hope is really all I have to share. I was telling somebody that a minute ago. Uh, I, August 17th, 1976. Uh, not by any virtue, but because of my circumstances. I weighed over 300 pounds. And uh, I tried, the without going into uh, the pills and the shots and the uh, uh, I didn't. I didn't uh, go to any of the expensive diet programs because uh, 
I didn't have enough self-esteem to spend the money on them. And, and the reason I came to OA is that Dr. Marajanian at Kaiser Permanente, a doctor of internal medicine, after I came back and told her that her food plan didn't work after I went and, and ate after I'd lost a bunch of weight on the food plan, because the guys in the shop said, come on, it's Christmas. You know, you've been on your diet long enough. Have some real food. And uh, so I, I started eating after that. And, and my, my life is a, 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 before the program was a continuum of, of trying and failing diets and pills and shots and those kind of things. And so, uh, and then long periods of just accepting that I was, uh, my mantra when I came in here, when I met this lady was, uh, I told people, I'm just fat, dumb, stupid, and ugly. And people would, and you know, people like you would correct me and uh, over and over and over again, you know. So uh, that, and you know, that's how I got here. And, uh, and so here, we were talking about uh, aff- having an affirmative action plan. And, uh, well, I call it an affirmative. I, I, I stuck that in there, an affirmative action plan, because uh, uh, most of the people I know that I sponsor, uh, I don't sponsor very long because they say, well, uh, what do you want me to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to eat? And all stuff. And I say, well, why don't you go see your doctor about what you have to eat? You know, what do you, and I say, what do you want to do? What are you willing to do? And so most of the time, people are wanting me to give them some assignments and things like that. Now, I can recommend, so well, I recommend that you read the first step in the AA 12 and 12. That's just me. You know, I, I, I was born in that book and before we had our books. And, uh, and, and, and write about what comes out when you, you know, look at the first step, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, what's the rapacious creditor? <laughs> and uh, things like that. Uh, I find very helpful, and uh, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm I'm in two-step studies. You know, there's a friend of mine that said, and I'll quote the person. Uh, they said, uh, if this is a 12-step program, why aren't all the meetings 12-step meetings? I won't tell you who said that, but very close friend of mine, and uh, and I and so uh, I started a step study because I needed a step study, you know, because I may not read the book all week. I may get busy and do things. So I, I go to step two step study meetings, and those are my home meetings. So that's part of my affirmative action plan, because the steps are, as I understand them, are very affirmative, you know. Uh, they lead me to uh, being able to receive enough grace, as it says in there, I didn't write it, to remove my obsession, and that's really what I want. That's what I have today. I don't have the obsession with food. I'm not talking to you about what I'm going to, while I'm eating my oatmeal at breakfast, what I'm going to have for dinner. And that's what I used to do with my wife, both of them. And uh, I've had two of them. One of them divorced me because I was in, uh, it says in my divorce papers, <laughs> respondents suffered severe personality change as the involvement in the program of Overeaters Anonymous. <laughs> what it says. I was crying and my sponsor's why a girlfriend at the time was later to be his wife said, and he, my sponsor was laughing and he said, thank God he suffered a personality change. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I remember I said in our apartment, I said, I've lost my whole family. He says, no, Dave, we're your family. I didn't get it at the time. I think I got it now. So, uh, affirmative action plan is having a sponsor. And as far as me, I'm a man. I started to recover when I got a man sponsor. 
women women helped me immeasurably. But I, uh, in the end, I needed to be sponsored by a man. And so, uh, looking you know looking at that thing, I'm looking at my notes here, uh, and uh, and I have to have uh, I choose to have a food plan. And, and the food plan I'm on, my doctor recommended. And I have a new doctor. My, I'm, I'm so old, my doctor retired. <laughs> That's when you know you're old, your doctor. Well, I'm retiring. Send me a letter. I'm retiring. You'll have to get another doctor. You're retiring? And uh, so I have this young woman, uh, Dr. Andersani. She's really sweet. Has, you know, two kids. Just had another kid and everything. And I went in and sat down with her. I go, oh, boy, she's going to really, you know, get, get after me, you know. And and she says, well, what are you you know what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I you know she says I want you to walk every day, at least for for five or ten minutes. So if you can get up to a half an hour, I says, well, I, I I do walk. And she says, well, you know that's good. She says, but but that's part of my action plan, you know. And I'm a guy that used to lay on the couch, and if you said why don't you go out for a walk, I said, well, I'll think about it, and I'll lay on the couch till a thought goes away. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where I come from. I used to, uh, you know, my th- thing, my negative thinking was, man, I worked hard all day, so I deserve to lay down and rest, you know. And so uh, I'm 69 years old, by the grace of God and this program. I, I gave blood the other day, and my blood pressure was 123 over 52, and my pulse was 51. Thank you very much, because people took me under their wing in here and challenged my thinking. Uh, uh, there's people in this room that have challenged my thinking over the years uh, and, uh, and have been very tolerant with me uh, because my problem, I think, is seeing myself the wrong way. So an affirmative action plan for me uh, is having uh, involving affirmations. I have to change my thinking because what I think about, I brought about, and what I think about grows. So I have to choose a different way of thinking in here. And, and so then somebody interjects God into this, and if you're an adopted kid uh, and you look at the second step and all the reasons there that challenge your belief in God, uh, mine was I thought God had abandoned me. I knew God had abandoned me. It's okay for you because you, took your, you, know, you went to church and dressed in a suit and did all those things. But uh, I was different. You know? uh, I wasn't supposed to be here. I was a, a mistake. You know? And... Uh, and I learned in the program that I'm, you know, God has no stepchildren, you know. So I have really trouble, trouble when people come in and say I'm a retread because I don't think God's in the tire business either. Uh, but uh, so, uh, and I've failed in this program and gained my weight. I've, I've been, been uh, here. Thank you very much. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm one of the majority, you know. I only know, in San Diego, I only know a handful of people that have, zipped right through there, you know, and by golly, there, we need them. We need, I need to see that, you know, somebody that's just stuck with it. I, I've failed, but, uh, you know, at, at uh, being perfect. But I'm, I've had, uh, part of my affirmative action plan is, uh, I, I, oh, some years ago I discovered that uh, I had to admit that I was a perfectionist, you know, and I, somebody with the thought as terrible about me as I do could be a perfectionist. Yes, I am. That's what, that's what caused me to procrastinate and fail so much. So uh, somebody, uh, and I don't remember who it was, but they said, you know, perfection may not be attainable, but excellence is, you know. 
And somebody, one guy that was sponsoring me says, you know, Dave, when I was trouble, having trouble with my absence, he says, why don't you just try to be 90% accurate instead of perfect, you know? Well, those things really work, you know? Uh, and I'm 90% accurate with my food, and, and because I take that uh, path with it, uh, my food is better. And and I, uh, some years ago, I laid down the hammer, you know, and uh, quit beating myself up, and uh, and things got better, you know. And by going to these step studies, I, I read in the book over and over again. It says, "The grace of God is what removes the obsession," you know. And we have a friend uh, Terry that was driving by a church, and he said, "You know, I saw something really interesting, Dave, on the church, and it was, you know, they have those little sayings on there. It says, you know, uh, we've uh, let's see." Oh boy, I'm going to miss it now. Uh, sal- uh, salvation is is received, not achieved. And he said, I ch- took the word salvation out of there and I put abstinence in there. And he said, that's really the way it is for me. My abstinence is received, not achieved by the grace of God. Which I, I had to look up the word grace and and I looked it up in a big dictionary one day and the the, the definition that I like was a it was a free unmerited unwarranted gift from God and I've experienced that uh, that powerful thing uh, grace that we all we all want when we come in here the freedom from the obsession uh, that's what I want that's why I, I go to OA I, I don't want to I don't want to longer uh, beat on myself and say well I shouldn't eat that I shouldn't eat this you know uh, uh, when I prayed to God to remove bagels from my life they were gone when I was sincere about it you know that sounds rather silly but that's the way it works when I prayed to God to help me to have the willingness to walk every day because I don't my disease doesn't want me to walk every day uh, I, I walk almost every day you know it's a it's a miracle and so I read something spiritual in the morning the first thing I do is I read something spiritual to get my mind going in the right direction sometimes I have to read it three or four times because my mind goes in different directions and thinks about things that, you know, I, I don't need to think about. Uh, so uh, the food plan has been very important, and I use cups since I have my scales. I put a hook in the wall, put a little screw in there, put a hook on it, and my scale, my cups are up there, and my, I got a really neat digital scale, you know. So when I'm in doubt, I can put that thing in there and see what it weighs, you know. And, and I send my food, the people I sponsor, I, I send my food to them every day, and they send theirs to me, and, and that's that's helpful, you know, and... And when I'm in trouble, that's when I'm lying about what I ate. Don't put all the stuff on there that I ate, you know. So uh, I'm human, you know, and uh, like most people. But uh, what's happened to me in the program uh, is I went. I finally went to therapy after three years. I was suicidal uh, because everything uh, it just wasn't turning out the way. I thought when I got thin... Uh, I wouldn't have any bills, uh, you know. I'd, I'd have this beautiful woman would run off with me and have a lot of money, and I'd have all these things. That's the uh, magical thinking. That's what I call it. I don't know what you call it. It's also called grandiose ascension. You know, my mother taught me to ascend over all those things. You know, so when I got to the when Doctor Woods got through with me, I said, "Look, I've been coming here for six months, and you haven't told me what's wrong with me." And he says, "Well, one thing that one thing that you know, I'm not I you're the one that has to discover your, what's challenging you, Dave." And he says, "But I will tell you three things. One of which is you think you're supposed to be happy all the time." And then a man once said to me, "It helped me so much." He said, "You know, life is a continuum of pain, growth, and joy. You can't get to joy unless you experience all three of these things. You know, 
So I've kind of accepted that sometimes life's going to be painful, you know. Someday my dog will probably die, and I'll have to deal with that. I have friends. Now I'm 69 years old. I have friends that pass away. That's painful. My mother passed away five minutes. And uh, so, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that through the, you know, through the steps, I'm able to get through these things, and and uh, because I get through them, and I learn to talk about them until I just bore the hell out of people, you know. We had a retreat leader, and he said, "You need to talk about your stuff until it's boring, not only to other people but to you." <laughs> I think he was right, you know. Used to be called this. Used to be called twenty-five thousand dollars worth of psychiatric treatment for nothing. Remember, they used to say that years ago. I think that's still true, you know. Uh, I hate texting, by the way. I like to talk to people on the phone. But uh, um, what else did I want to say about that? Uh, any, oh, the magical thinking. Uh, anyway, the second thing he said is, I only focus out of a narrow lens. I need to open up the aperture and see the whole picture. And I, I don't know if any of you identify with that, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I need to have... I, so I had, I had to learn to pray for understanding. God gives me understanding about things. Why does Mr. Lopez or Ted Reed act that way? When I sit down in meditation and pray about that, oh, that's why they are that way. You know, I never thought people were intimidated by me, but some people are. I, I, I never saw myself that way, but people in the program say, you know, Dave, sometimes you intimidate people. I do. I, never, I remember one time I threw a fit in the shop, and there was 22 guys in there, and I just threw a fit, you know, before the program. Here's a 300-pound man with a Fu Manchu mustache yelling and screaming cuss words, you know. And I turned around to my friend John. He was the only one left in the shop. I said, Where'd everybody go, John? <laughs> hell, you scared the hell out of everybody, you know. And I, I remember I said, "Me?" You know, there you go. So, people help me. <laughs> and uh, then the, I think the last thing he said, it, it, and I think I know so many people that I sponsor and, and have sponsored me that have helped me with this, is he said, "Dave, you need to see how far you've come. You've come a long ways. How often do I sit down and say?" Gee, I don't sleep with the lights on anymore like I did when I came in the program. Gee, I don't smoke anymore. Gee, I'm not stealing tools from my job anymore. You know, I mean, little things like that. So uh, I think uh, having an action plan and having, having some goals that, I, that are attainable, that are specific, uh, it's very important. You know, uh, I, I'm, I still have things I want to do with my life. You know, uh, and I think the biggest thing that I've learned in this program is to is service you know uh, I've been in uh, a, a guy took me to the intergroup meeting my first one I think it was back in the late 70s and he said what'd you think about that I says well after the meeting was over I says enough to make you want to eat he says well keep going to him <laughs> you know because he said someday you'll be the chairperson I said there's no way I was I became the chairperson you know and you know uh, because I, I, it, that that's a shows my thinking by being, I look back on that, you know, and I, uh, seeing at how far you've come. By being the chairperson and calling my sponsor up and telling him, God dang, these people are crazy. All right, keep talking all the time, and, and this person's accusing me of this and that and the other thing. And, uh, uh, and he was saying, well, he used to say, Dave, Jose's here to teach you love, patience, and tolerance, you know. And then I'd yell out some, you know. I won't say it here, but, uh, but you know, he did, and he's still my friend, and I learned to be more tolerant and patient with people to the degree that I was able, I'm, I was in leadership positions in my job, 
by doing service in OA that nobody wants to do, you know. And so uh, we have a wonderful intergroup in San Diego. We have uh, it's one, fun to be uh, with with the people there that are doing the service. And uh, we do mailings to doctors, and uh, and we do things that uh, people come up with ideas, and and uh, you know people are helping folks down there and it's great to be involved in that and what I learned is I, I, there's only one reason to do service that's for me I don't, I don't know if anybody does anybody any any business but that's part of my action plan you know when it's, it's better than thinking about food all the time and all the other stuff you do is and it gives me a purpose in my life that's greater than Dave which helps the grandiosity a great deal anyway thank you Thank you, Dave. Our next speaker is Katie H. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, everybody. Uh, for the tape, there's going to be a brief pause while I step down to give you all my pictures. Thanks for that. I think it's really important to help qualify. Um, I also want to stick to the topic, so, you know, two birds with one stone. This mic seems really close, too. Anyway, um, I'm really, I'm a little shaky, but I'm not super nervous. And I was thinking about this, how I used to get really nervous when I spoke. Um, But now I'm in a space where, I mean, Dave, or the last speaker mentioned that OA is, is family. And I really feel that. Like, I'm looking out, and there are faces in this group of people I have known and loved and worked with for many, many years, and I feel really comforted by that. But it's not just those handful of people. It's all of you guys in here. Like, I, there is, there's a common purpose here. We all want to get better about our food and get more sanity around our lives. And it just feels really good to be in a room of people that all have that same desire. Um, And so whether you got five minutes of abstinence or 50 years, you guys are helping me get better. So thank you for showing up today. Um, but that said, my ego still feels like I didn't prepare enough for this. Um, I've got tons of background and training and public speaking and speech writing, and I did none of that to prepare for this. <laughs> I just made a few notes. So this might be a little hodgepodge for my taste, but hopefully you get something out of it. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind about this um, about this topic is I love the phrase you can't think yourself into right acting you got to take action um, and just looking at the, the reading that was read at the beginning of this of this session God is not my arms and legs it's up to me to do the footwork ours is a program of action oh okay um, you know I have to ask God each day to help me and I can ask for help from my higher power my sponsor my group because that is where my strength is and that has been so true for me um, I mean, some of you guys know my story. I mean, just maybe to briefly qualify, um, I, I don't know when. I, I probably came out of the womb a compulsive overeater. It first became an issue when I was about five or six, you know, when the doctor said I was overweight. I don't, I must have not, you can see my, in my pictures, there's a picture of me in first grade, and I think I look like a normal-sized first grader. And um, so I must not have matched up on a height-weight chart or something. But then suddenly food was an issue. It wasn't okay to eat what I wanted when I wanted. Um, and I'm really grateful my parents never became the food police, but I did get praised for turning down seconds or not having dessert. Um, and, I, and I somehow remember, I mean, 
not somehow, but I do remember being the kid who could, you know, would hang out at the dessert table at a party and finish stuff up. And anytime there was candy, like any holiday that had candy, my stash wouldn't last very long. I mean, like a week was a long time. Um, and I could, I remember being sick a lot. Um, some of it was food sensitivities, you know, honestly that, but other, a lot of it was, I just overate <laughs> and enough to make myself sick. And I was kind of a chubby preteen. Um, I thinned out when I hit puberty because so I got taller and, you know, hips and breasts, everything kind of rearranges itself. And I looked pretty normal, but I was still doing the behaviors and I thought I was fat. Um, there's another picture in my pictures of uh, me graduating eighth grade and I was a size six petite, which is not a large size. And I thought I was fat. And I passed for normal in high school, still doing the disease. And um, I first heard about the program in high school because a teacher had a, um, a poster up on her wall that said anorexia, bulimia, try Overeaters Anonymous. And while I wasn't practicing anorexia or bulimia, which in my recollection was like the eating disorders of the day, um, there was something about the, I think the term overeater that really called to me. Um, and there was something about... I just remember in high school feeling like there was something wrong. Like I somehow related to people that were doing things like anorexia, bulimia, you know, abusing alcohol or getting abused at home or all this. I mean, things that weren't happening in my life, but I could relate to it. So it's like, how do I, I think my thought was, how do I ask for help for just being a fat overeating slob? It was, it was kind of embarrassing. Like, what do I do? And I remember talking to my doctor once and she's like, well, just when you go with your friends to McDonald's, just get a Diet Coke. My friends and I didn't go to McDonald's. We went to Double Bay and ice cream. Okay, <laughs> anyway, um, for those from the, Bay, from the Bay Area, it's a really nice gourmet place. And anyway, we would overindulge there, or I would. Anyway, um, so I went to the program, worked the, worked the steps a little bit, lost a bunch of weight, and then, you know, after about, then my sponsor I couldn't stop sponsoring me. And I, basically after two years, I quit. And I woke up one morning and just decided, I don't have to go to meetings. No one's holding a gun to my head. I'll still graduate college if I... Well, yeah, I still got to write college if I don't, you know, go to this. And I just stopped going. And the only thing I can say I did wrong was I just, I quit. I mean, I wasn't, I, I couldn't get absent. I couldn't make friends. And I just stopped. And I think I just quit before the miracle happens. Um, but then to fast forward, I gained a lot more weight after that. I got up to approximately 189. Well, the highest number I saw on a scale was 189. I call my high weight somewhere closer to 200 because I'm pretty sure I gained more weight after that. I was very sedentary and eating a lot. Um, this microphone's really loud, so I'm getting self-conscious about my voice all of a sudden. Anyway, um, so to fast forward, what brought me back into program, and this is going to slightly start to the, speak to the topic, is um, I... I started praying again. I, well, I, I lost I lost a little more weight, you know, after graduating college, um, because I I'd moved out. I was working two jobs, and you know, on the days where I worked my two jobs, my schedule was pretty much, you know, get up at six, eat some breakfast, go to my morning job, leave that job, go to my other my afternoon job, eat some lunch, change, you know, work that job, maybe get a dinner break for like fifteen or thirty minutes, get off work at ten or ten thirty, go home, get up and do it all over again. I wasn't trying to abstain from any particular food. I wasn't controlling portions. I just didn't have time to, you know, <laughs> to eat more than three meals. And just the, just having those boundaries around my food, I lost 20 pounds in about three months. And um, 
so I kind of stayed at that sort of middleweight for my high weight and now for, for quite a while. And I kind of thought I was growing out of this overeating thing. And, you know, the reality is I didn't have time to eat. And then I moved out of the house, so it wasn't like the food was as easy to get, um, even though I lived right down the block from a 24-hour grocery store, so I could get it, stuff whenever I wanted. Um, but, and what happened is I started to do things that were a little more serious. Like, I would utilize that grocery store more often, and I would, I'd need to go on a binge, and I'd put on just enough clothes to not get arrested, and, you know, have the story for the grocery clerk, and, you know, oh, my friends will love this, you know, when I'm bringing it over. They never ask. Um, you know, hiding from this really cute guy, because I didn't want him to see me buying all this stuff in a store. Just really sad existence around food. And anyway, so I woke up one day, or there was one day where I'd come home from work, and the pants that were loose in the morning were tight because of all the, all the stuff I'd eaten. And I remember um, I asked a friend of mine who, you know, remember I was in OA before? I, I had all these books. Okay, thank you. Um, I had all these books I'd given to her with the instructions of do whatever you want with them. I don't want them back. I don't want to do this program, and I don't care. Well, I asked her if she still had the books, and she did, and she gave them back to me. My higher power is very sneaky. Anyway, so I started reading my the 12 steps. Back when I first did program, they didn't have a 12, OA 12 and 12. They just had the OA 12 steps. So I started reading the, the steps, and I, and I got to the point where I was like, yeah, God, I want to stop doing, I want to stop eating like this. I want to get better. And um, I was very aware of the, the spiritual, emotional, and physical nature of the disease. And my, but I was really clear, God, I'm not going back to OA to do this. That was my plan. I was going to take care of the spiritual, going to this church group, take care of the emotional with therapy, and take care of, you know, my physical with this, you know, pay and weigh diet plan I would, I'd been on. And I'm not going to put down, I'm not trying to um, oppose, uh, imply any opposition to any of those things, because I think they're all good, but they weren't keeping me abstinent, um, and they weren't keeping me out of the food. Um, and so my higher power, in his infinite, or her infinite, uh, better wisdom than mine, somehow got me to a meeting uh, a month after that. That was May 1st of 2000. And I've never left. Um, I've had that, that feeling I expressed to you guys at the beginning of my share about y'all my family, y'all my people. Um, I've had various levels of like, I love you all and I hate you all. Um, and various levels like, I'm scared of you guys and I feel comfortable around you guys. But I've never, I've always felt the, the bond. Like, I just knew even at that, 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 that last first meeting, this is where I belong. You know, I, I'm scared. I'm angry. I can't believe I have to be here. What if this doesn't work? But it was like, I just knew this is where I had to be. And I've never had in the last, you know, 12 years, the desire to leave the program, no matter what frustration or, or, or personal challenge comes up. So just right there, that was, hey, okay, change of plan. Gotta do, and I think, and, and so going back to the topic, um, I was praying. Prayer is freaking awesome. But... Like the thing says, God expects us to do some footwork. God was not going to strike me abstinent by myself on my knees in my bedroom. He wanted me to be here, work in the program with you guys. My higher power wants me to talk to people about my stuff. Thank God I've got a sponsor. Thank God I've got friends in this program who can, I can just talk to stuff about. I mean, just amazing. Like, I, I get amazing support out of, out of something. I was, I, I'm so, I, I, um, a few years ago, I, I broke up with a, a man I was engaged to. I mean, it, it literally was like, for a while, we were going to get married, spend the rest of our life together, and then suddenly it's like, no, we're not. And um, one of my biggest things, one of my biggest sources of support in the program was actually one of my sponsees. And for a while, it was kind of weird. I got five minutes, cool. Because um, I'm like, I have more abstinence than she does. But then I realized, she's been married 30 years. I think this woman has a little experience in this area. So it was great. Um... 
I think to I, I, something else I want to share about because when I like shortly after I, got, I was given this topic to speak on, um, uh, another Voices of Recovery reading came up for me that I, I, I think is awesome, and I'm, I'm just going to read some of it. It's, this is June 3rd in Voices of Recovery. Um, Any action, no matter how small, will help us to overcome daily procrastination. And I won't read the whole thing, but but I love that. Any action, no matter how small. Because really, it's like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So even if a little thing changes, that can make a huge difference. And um, I've had so many... Well, recently... How do I, how do I want to phrase this? Um... I've had a lot of what I what I'm feeling is a lot of drama and challenges and stress in my life lately, and yeah, in the whole scheme of things, I'm not dying. No one's dying in my life. I've got still got a home. I've got a job. You know, no, and but I feel really overwhelmed by my feelings a lot of times. Maybe because I'm just an addict. Just stuff is happening that's hard to deal with. I've got a an injury that's hard to deal with. Um, I really hate my job situation. I'm really unhappy about it, and. Um, but that's what I've been dealt. Um, it's like, it's not my, some of this stuff isn't my fault, but it's not my responsibility. So I got to take action around these things. Um, I'm not going to find a better job sitting in my office going, I freaking hate this place. You know, I got to take the action, look for stuff, apply for stuff, go to interviews. Uh, I, have, I had a career coach for a while, which is great. I got to keep talking to people. I got to take some action. I'm, I'm actually looking at asking my work for part time so I can have time off to just explore stuff or even just rest. How cool is that? Uh, you know, I need to keep going to my doctors, looking at different therapies, do my exercises, and just keep trying. I can't just give up, right? Um, I can let go of the results, but I still got to keep rowing ashore. And then on a more acute, that's, that's kind of long term. That's like, I got to have action plans around that. You know, there's, I think you can have an action plan, you know, on a, on a minute to minute basis or a long term basis. So those things I just mentioned kind of have a long term action plan. Well, you know, what am I going to do around this? And, what, and then on a daily basis, what do I do? Um, and oh, actually, I'm going to back up one more time. The whole the, the the tool of an action plan actually has only been an official tool in OA for like a couple of years, but it's actually something people have been doing forever, even before we called it a tool. It's like, well, what are you going to do to stay out of the food, work your program, have a sane life? And it's kind of like they say in the literature. It's like, well, you, you got to shop for your food, you got to prepare it, you got to talk about it, you got to work the steps, you got to go, you know, go to your meetings, make your phone calls. Like, what are you going to do with that? And and I have a sponsor you every day will email me her food and her action plan, which I think is awesome. So I'm going to share just two um, instances where I had to make an action plan on the fly, and it really helped. Um, you know, I mentioned I've had a lot of emotion, been feeling a lot of emotional challenges lately, and um, you know. I was home one day. I'd called in sick. I was, my body was really hurting. I was very emotional. I just was like, I can't deal with work today. So I, do, I, went, I, I called in sick. And, and during my day, I ate my lunch. And after eating, I still felt hungry. So I had to check in. Okay, is this physical hunger or is this emotional hunger? Okay, it was physical hunger. So I had, I had a little more. After eating that little extra, I really, really, really wanted more. And I totally picked, I was this close to like just, let's just keep going with this extra food. And I'm like, thank God for program. Thank God for sticking around as long as I have, because this voice came in and said, you're in trouble. In fact, in fact, I didn't even say you're in trouble. I said, oh shit, I'm in trouble. And I'm like, I am going to make phone calls until I talk to somebody. And actually, thank God, the first person I called picked up. And this saint of a woman just let me cry and cry and cry and cry and cry. And we finally figured out, okay, the next thing, right thing to do is go take a nap. <laughs> go lay down. It's okay. <laughs> um, 
Ironically, a few weeks later, I had a similar feeling. I wasn't feeling like I wanted to overeat. Like I, I think I was done with breakfast, and I was really tired, and I was like, do I want to go back to bed? Which is an option. It's okay. And then suddenly I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to feel a lot better if I get up and do something. One minute left. And you know what? I went up and did some weeding, and then I took a shower, and then I got dressed, and I made this salad for a potluck I was going to, and it was like, that felt, that felt good. That action felt like I was taking care of myself, getting something done, distracting myself, not surrendering to the feelings, and, you know, I didn't overeat. Yay. And um, there you go. Um, how do I wrap it up in, like, less than 30 seconds? I guess that's it. I, you know, think... I'm so glad all you guys are here, both at the convention, at this meeting, and um, we have one more awesome speaker who's going to share with us her views on action plans. So thank you for letting me share and helping me get one more day. Thank you, Katie. Our next speaker is Tricia, who stepped in to substitute for someone that didn't show up, so we're really grateful to her and we're doing that. Thanks. I'm Tricia, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm so happy to be here this morning and to see all of you. You know, we're here for the miracle of recovery, right? And it is a miracle, and it's a, well, what is this name about magical thinking? And the magical thinking is that we can go from being thought always about food and our compulsion to recovery and service and um, and fellowship. You know, isn't that a miracle? No, it really is. Well, <clears throat> I'll call, qualify from... Um, I've been abstaining since February 16th, 1974. That's 39 years. And <laughs> at, at my top weight, I was 60, po- 60 pounds more than I am right now. And I have not had any um, bread or sugar since July of 1975. So I have put some discipline and restrictions on myself, and I did it for me because I I have foods that are trigger foods for me and those I don't eat. And so that's two of them that I don't do. I was not fat as a child. I didn't start um, overeating until after I was 10, 11 years old. But I do remember one instance when I was 8 years old, and I think this is not related to the food. But um, my mother was gone having a baby, and we had some, my dad was taking care of us, and he had, um, we had a couple of kids staying with us. You know, for fun, <laughs> and um, and he made um, pancakes one morning, and he said, "I'll give a dollar to anybody who can eat the most pancakes," and I ate fourteen of them. Well, but I think it wasn't the food; it was I wanted approval of my dad. <laughs> I was um, competitive with my brother, who was younger than me, and so. Um, that's what I think it was. I don't think it had to do with the food, but it had, but it is maybe I've always been a compulsive overeater. Maybe I grew to be a compulsive overeater. I don't care. I'm grateful to be a compulsive overeater because I don't eat compulsively today. The most humiliating experience that I had was 
I can see in the room there's not a lot of you that remember that there used to be only one telephone company in the whole United States. (laughs) And um, I went to apply for a job. And they took me in and were interviewing me. And I thought the interview was going so well. And then the woman took me into another little room, and she weighed me on a scale. Then she took me back to her office, and she says, we can't use you. That was very humiliating. It wasn't because I was a bad person. It was because I was fat. In um, when when OA had its 50th birthday, that's about the time they came out with the plan of action. They were going to have the literature for it later, and so when I heard that they did that, what I did was I sat down at right there when they were talking about it, and I wrote what my plan of action was. It just came to me because my plan of action is my life in recovery. You know, it's my daily things, it's my monthly, it's my, it's everything that I do to keep me recovered. When I came into the program, I did less than half measures. Half measures, you know, to me, at that time, that's what I said. I'm just going to meetings and I'm abstaining, and I wasn't working the steps. And it wasn't until I started working the steps with the sponsor Um, I'll say this, this is not the way it truly happened, but she said, um, I got the second meanest sponsor in our town, and she said, you have to weigh and measure, do assignments, read, and and because I had been doing um, half measures, and it wasn't working for me, and I was afraid of losing my abstinence, I was willing to do whatever she said. Working the steps and learning about traditions made all the difference in my life. You know, I was willing, I was ready to let go of um, some of my self-centeredness and my control because I was wanting to do it my way, and my way got me to Overeaters Anonymous. The first time I heard those words, Overeaters Anonymous, I was in a behavior modification class in how to lose weight. And really, I'm an action person. And the actions that they want you to do is pick up your fork, put it down, chew your food, swallow. Pick up your fork, you know, keep doing that. Look at yourself in the mirror as you eat. They have all these kind of things, but... Those were not the things that were making me eat. The things that were making me eat were my attitudes, my emotions, um, my relationships, my (laughs) non-relationships, you know. um, and, um, And so it didn't work. It was two years after that that I um, came to Overeaters Anonymous. My life changed forever, and it changed for the better. Now, when I make an action plan, um, I'm going to read first, real quick, um, some of my action plan, okay? Uh, My plan of eating, exercise, step meetings, sponsorship, goal setting, um, writing and reading, journaling, um, service, mm, 
those kind of things. <laughs> those are my life things. <laughs> and um, the reason that I have abstinence and a plan of action is that's one of our tools, and the tools are part of my plan of action. Um, and I love abstinence. I love the way I eat. It's my food, and I feel good about how I eat and how my abstinence is. Um, and I've, when I, before I came into the program, um, I couldn't walk very far. And I had, um, well, some of you may have experienced this, but when you walk somewhere and you sweat and you, your legs rub together and you get sore, so, you know, that happened to me. And, um, and you know what I can do now? I can walk, I can hike six miles in the mountains with no hard breathing and no sores on my legs or any part of me. You know, that exercise I found, it's a two-way street. You have to cut back your food and you have to um, um, exercise of some kind in order. And most everybody I know that's um, uh, long-term abstainers, they have some form of exercise in their life. And I have more than just hiking. And I also um, do fitness. And, um, that's important to me. It makes me feel good. Abstinence makes me feel good. Exercise makes me feel good. Um, okay, and one of the things that I learned in Overeaters Anonymous is that I have to do service to keep my program. And I started doing service before I started working the steps. And what I learned in Overeaters Anonymous is about doing um, service work is that I first learned how to do it here. And that gave me opportunity to learn how new skills by being on different committees and being chairs of this or that and secretaries and all this kind of thing, I learned skills. And some of those jobs that I had gave me skills that I was able to carry into my work area, which um, helped me in my work area. But now, what I've learned from OA is how to give volunteer service outside of OA. I give service now to my community as well as to OA. And that's really important to me is to see how I've been able to expand my um, horizon and my um, community involvement, not in just the fellowship, because I've been able to let go of the isolation that I have to always watch because I want to be in isolation. Um, I have to, um, well, let's see. Another one that I have here that I have to let go is, of, and uh, it's not um, doing volunteer work, but it has to do with dishonesty. I have to let go of my dishonesty. I um, retired almost uh, seven years ago, and I had a physical type of job. So when I retired, you know, I looked at my action plan, and what do I have to do to keep my recovery now that I'm not working on a regular basis and doing that physical work? And... Uh, um, I had not weighed myself in years. I just stayed the same. But I said, now that I'm retired, things may change. And to keep me honest now, part of my um, action plan is I weigh once a month. 
And um, what a simple thing. You know, I had to buy a new scale because I'd thrown my scale away years away. But um, there's certain just small things that I have to do um, for my action plan. And one of the um, actions that I have to do is I have to sponsor And that's another way to keep me from being isolated and to keep me in relationships with other people and to keep my abstinence. And one of the things, I like to make people do things. (laughs) You know, action. Action is the the magic word. And um, when people um, I sponsor, you know, I tell them not only to list their binge foods, but what I ask them to do is give me a list of things that you're willing to do before you take that first bite. And the the things are a lot different. Is that I'm going to go clean my toilet, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to make a phone call, I'm going to pray and meditate, you know. It's take my dog for a walk, you know. It's whatever works for you. It doesn't have to be you know, what I think you have to do. It's what you're willing to do before you take that first bite. And, um, in fact, I want to plug that um, brochure that OA has before you take that first compulsive bite. That is a brochure that I carried with me all the time, and every once in a while I buy it and carry it again because I don't want to go back to um, where I was before. I like where I am today. Um, Okay, so I'm, I'm keeping my memory green. I'm letting go of old be- behaviors, old attitudes. Um, I'm attending meetings. Um, my action plan is just my outline of my life. You know? um, and not only is my action plan some of the things that I put in there, but you know what? You have to put in some fun in your action plan. You know, it's it's not all work. It's also fun, and um, and I love to zumba dance. Oh, that's fun. That's active, <laughs> and uh, that that's a fun thing. I like I like to do reading. And that's part of the thing um, that um, keeps keeps me in in um, serenity. And I love prayer and meditation. Um, the first time that I ever said a prayer, because I came into this program as an atheist, and I'm not an atheist today. I have a strong faith and a strong higher power, a higher power in my heart, is that um, um, my mother called me, and she said, uh, my sister had been in a car accident, and for me to meet her in the hospital... Um, and not to bring my kids. So on the way to that hospital, this is my first time that I prayed in OA, it was, please, God, give me the strength to help my mother if it's bad news because she doesn't have a program. I have a program. I have that strength that will sustain me in the ups and downs of life. You know, and that's how our action plan can can help us because and to review it you know review review it so that you see where your progress is where you need to change it because there's miracles it's you each one are a miracle and i'm a miracle i could not stop 
eating compulsively by myself. It wasn't until I came here that I found a fellowship, I found a higher power who relieved that obsession for me and has been able to um, give me a life beyond my wildest dreams. And that's another book everybody should read. That's a fabulous book, Beyond My Wildest Dreams. <laughs> um, okay, so um, what I... What I'd like to do right now is because it feels like that um, I've about run out of letting go. Oh, good. <laughs> and um, so I want to thank my fellow speakers and our moderator here and all of you for being here to give me another day of recovery. Thank you, Tricia. Okay. The meeting is now open for questions from the floor. Uh, we ask that panelists limit your answers to three minutes and confine your, sh- your share to your experience, strength, and hope on the topic discussed today. And we end at 11.30. Anybody have a question they'd like to ask the panelists? So the, the question is, um, how do you get started with an action plan, and how do you get into the actual actions that's for anyone? Dave, compulsive reader. Hi, First thing that comes to my mind is to talk to my sponsor about it and, and you know, get some help. You know, run it by my sponsor. Uh, if I have, you know, I have uh, different sponsors for different things. They don't have, some people don't even have to be in the program. You know, I have a... I have a that's my financial sponsor you know I mean I need I needed that I need some uh, information about that I don't know about that you know so I'm I let go of my pride and ask for help you know so but I think a sponsor is very helpful I, and, and you know I think the book says we go for them for uh, direction you know anyway that's it. my name is Katie I'm a compulsive reader hi guys I'm just going to add to that is um, there's there could be things standing in the way of, a, of getting an action plan started. Sometimes it's praying for willingness or praying for what's the next right thing. Because sometimes I know it can be faced with, there's about five different right things I could do right now, and I can't do all of them at once. Which is it? And then I just let go of the results. Because sometimes it's like, well, I'm thinking of it work. Sometimes I have, you know, I have five million work things to do. Or I could take a break. Or I could pray and meditate. Or I could do all kinds. Of, and sometimes you just got to go, okay, God, what's the right next thing? And whatever the intuitive thought is, just do it. You know, and not worry about it. But... My suggestion is take the action today and sit down, take two minutes, and write out your action plan. And then you can discuss it with your sponsor um, or with somebody else. Um, You can start writing the tools down as your action plan. You know, you have to make your action plan, but um, it doesn't take a lot of work to start on it. You know, you could do it in two minutes or maybe three. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Next. I, I, I find that I have. I, I'm Karen. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. I think that I have a defiant child. Who's not <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to do this. 
<laughs> so what's the question? Okay, so the question is, uh, what if you have, as part of you, a defiant child that doesn't want to do this, these steps that are good for you? So anybody care to answer that one? Um, this is Katie again. I guess my thought that comes to mind is, um, there's a couple of things. One, putting the sock in the child doesn't work. <laughs> Got to be nice to her. What, so what, the, the question is, what are you willing to do? Because I've done this with sponsees. Well, what are you willing to do if you're not willing to do X, Y, and Z? Um, and then, you know, the praying for willingness is always really helpful. Um, I don't know if it was said in this session, but I heard in one session, it's like, well, and then sometimes you got to wait till you're in enough pain to be willing to do something. And I, I feel horrible saying that. It sounds really harsh, but sometimes that's the case. I mean, I've seen that in my life in many ways. So um, that's, that's my three thoughts on that one. The first thing that comes to my mind is I had to, I have to learn how to parent that inner child that's in me. Uh, lovingly, not not smack him like my pop used to, or belittle him. Or my, I noticed my uh, great granddaughter came down. To see, I've never seen her before, and her mother comes from a, a a generation of wounded folks like me, and she's saying things like, uh, "You're really pissing me off," and uh, you know, "You're really stressing me out," and and uh, you know, I'm, "You really upset me." You know, I I have that background, so I have to remember that. How am I talking to myself here? You know, uh, that's probably one of the best things somebody said. You know, you, you know, you gotta, you know, your subconscious mind can't take a joke. You know? so, anyway, so I think parenting is important, even at 69 years old. <laughs> I'm sure she compels you over to eat her. And what I think of when you say that is that you're um, into half measures. Um, and anybody is, and that um, maybe you're like me, and who does person who doesn't like change, <laughs> and um, I've had to work through that um, because um, m- my life has had to change, and I've uh, sometimes had to go kicking and screaming, and other times um, it's been, oh yeah, hey, why don't I try that? And that's where I am today. Is I'm more willing to change than I was um, when I first came into the program. But if you're not willing to change, it's going to be a tougher road for you. I know I'm not a panelist. I'm the moderator, but I wanted to talk about this one. (laughs) Because I remember, uh, I feel real strongly about this whole idea of parenting yourself and being kind to yourself while still growing. And uh, much earlier in my program, I've been in program 25 years, um, I remember an incident where I, I literally felt my little kid in here jumping up and down, screaming, saying, I want a hot fudge sundae, and screw you, you know, because <laughs> I wouldn't give it to her. And I realized I could not be unkind to that child because that's the way I was raised, with a lot of abuse and control. And I just spoke, I mean, it sounds crazy a little bit. You know, I don't do this too much anymore. But it, I actually spoke to her and said, I can't give that to you because it's not good for you, and I love you. And instead, we're going to go rest <laughs> or something. I don't know what we did, but, and you know, it worked. It worked. Next question. <laughs> I 
So the question is, what steps help to stay with an action plan over the long term? I'm Tricia, and um, I, I think that it's, it's a, um, a revolving uh, plan. It's something that you update um, because you change, your circumstances change, um, your recovery changes, and, um, and so I think it's something that is not written in stone. You know, once you write it, it's flexible. Next. Any more questions? Way back there. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure how to restate that for the tape, but uh, basically she's talking about the most important thing being abstinence and that sometimes the idea of an action plan is just overwhelming. It's just too much. And uh, I'll let yeah, you guys I want to say that. I, um, well, first off, I'm going to re- repeat my comment about, like, an action plan, like, just calling it an official tool, it's that's mm-hmm. it's only – it's just – now it's called an official tool. And some, that works for some people to call it an official tool, but really – it's what people have been doing in this program all along. I mean, people go to, they plan to go to meetings, they plan to get their food, and whether it's written down and committed or not, it does, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, I once, actually, I'll, I will share this story. I, went, I one time wrote down everything I would be doing with my life when I become perfect, and it was everything from like, <laughs> I'll grow my own food and make my own clothes, and I will, you know, volunteer for this, and I will do this, and I'll go this service and meetings. I mean, it's everything, and I finally had to stop writing it after about five pages because I realized I would never finish that list. I kept coming up with other things I could do. So I think the whole thing about an action plan, it's like, it's kind of like the same with the food plan. It, no matter how flexible or, or rigid it is, having some kind of plan is good. So whether it's written down, committed or not, or having an idea of what to do. And, 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 and the, for the previous question, you know, um, um, Trisha talked about it can, be, it can be flexible. I think it's, it's just a way of looking at it. And if you don't want to call it a tool, then don't use it. So yeah. that's my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, Dave can post over here. It kind of takes me to the 11th step, and it, and it said that, you know, everything, you know, I can't, I'm not verbally accurate at this, but it talks about creative consciousness, you know, that all, that all the things that, that were discovered are a result of, and there's nothing wrong, it says there's nothing wrong with creative consciousness. And so I think if I, you know, quietly going, doing some kind of a meditation, whatever you aspire to, but take you know sleeping on it. Uh, you you want I wanted to start exercising and 
and my little kid screaming, no, you're not that. And, but I think praying about it and asking, you know, like, like we do, we, we ask for the, the strength to do these things from a source higher than ourselves. And, and I think the goals need to be attainable. You know, sometimes the goals aren't attainable when we make them, you know. I want to make a million dollars. Well, you know, why don't you try with five bucks or, you know. <laughs> or, you know. Go out and recycle your cans or something. You know, <laughs> and, you know so and, and those things are helpful. You know, is is uh, and being specific, making the goals specific and attainable, and 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 put them down on a you know. My my sponsor, I think he's 92 now, isn't he? Are you close to it? <laughs> and uh, I mean, he's very frank. You know, the other uh, several well, maybe a couple of years ago, she says he says, "Are you are you writing at all?" And I said, "Davis, no, nah, I've been around the program all this time." He says, "Want you start? Want you start writing things down every day?" And, and been a little resistant child, you know. So I prayed <laughs> about it, you know. And I took my granddaughter to a bookstore to get her some books because she was an avid reader. And I found a book there that they for twenty five cents and that had all those blank pages. <laughs> I bought it. And it's, it's half full. You know? That's there you go. Any more? The question is then, what are the essential things to do daily for an action plan? If your day is crazy. <laughs> if your day is crazy. Hmm. That's hard to answer, like, concretely, like, to figure out. I'm not, maybe somebody else should go first. I'm not sure how to answer that concretely. Like, how do you do it in every situation? Because I don't think there's any blanket answer that's going to cover every day. I mean, I know for myself, when, the, when you first started asking the question, um, I was thinking more in terms of longer term. Um, I know personally I've had to choose um, – I've talked about some of the things in my share that are going on in my life. Um, it's, it's, i got to prioritize basically self-care. And, and behind that, and, and more specific, it's like, well, my absence comes first. What do I need to do to protect that? So that really means taking care of myself. What do I have to do to take care of myself in this moment? Uh, and that can be moment to moment, day to day. Um, what I'm doing currently in my sort of more – not daily, um, daily action plan, but it's kind of in general. There's a few things I've had to let go of um, because i got to put, you know, getting the right exercise right. Uh, uh, um, that first, got to put, you know, looking for a job. I've got to, you know, put um, time for my relationship. This is all things that really nurture me. And in addition, I need to find time to, you know, uh, shop for my food, get to enough meetings, do my service, call my sponsor. So... And it doesn't have to be a quote-unquote program thing to do, but I guess if you want to prioritize, my opinion is you got to put, for me, i got to put taking care of myself first. So if doing all this other stuff is going to be harmful, whether I'm stressed out or tired or whatever, maybe I need to let that go and do what really needs to happen, either to keep my job or make sure I get my food or you know go, go keep the service commitment I did. Because um, I agree, this place... Uh, Conventions can be overwhelming. I was so overwhelmed when I when I arrived yesterday, 
and nothing even started yet. <laughs> so um, um, it's really first things first. And at some point I realized, okay, I need to check in first. Then I need to find my room. And, you know, I want to figure out what's going, you know, check in for all my service that I'm doing. And maybe I'll eat dinner. You know, I'll eat dinner later and get that done before I go to a workshop. So that's kind of how I'm thinking. And I hope that gives some kind of at least guidance maybe for how I do it. What do you guys? Uh, the first thing that I do in the morning is to I have a book that, I, that, that, that this author speaks to me and it's daily you know meditation like most of us have the first thing I do is, is sit on the toilet and read that book <laughs> that's how spiritual I am <laughs> and then usually I have to read it again because my, I read something go oh blah 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 it goes off this way you know and then I read it again oh, blah 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 so if I read it about three or four times, I got it. And it's always directing me back towards the center or God. And that's the, that's the way I avoid being crazy every day. Because if I don't do that, and I just do what the little kid wants to do, I have a choice. I'm going to be nuts. And I, I choose not to be that way anymore. Because it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me or anybody else. I'm no good to you if I'm on my own power. So I need something to direct me towards my higher power whatever you want to call it I call it God and uh, and then I know that God's with me and thinking's uh, clear and you know and a lot of other things too so um, the first thing that I want to do is protect my abstinence you know because uh, from that I gained a higher power and that higher power has made my life um, easier to live with it's given me a joy that I didn't have before <clears throat> so I'm always there to protect my abstinence and um, um, please God help me please God remove please God show me the way you know so prayer is really important for, for me to, to keep the abstinence um, and what, what my first, when you asked that question, the first thing that I wrote that was the steps. I thought, you know, what step am I on today, you know, to help me keep, keep my abstinence. And, um, and then I, I thought, well, okay, so remember that abstinence, and this will fit in with the food plan, also is that um, the OA's definition of abstinence is um, not to eat compulsively, and not to have um, the behaviors, the, the compulsive behaviors that make you eat. And um, so keeping, keeping away from those would be another way of, um, of um, doing the action plan. But um, yeah, prayer, steps, um, garden your abstinence. Okay, that's all the time we have for sharing. It's now time to close the meeting. Um, let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. If you enjoyed this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tapes table to order copies of this session or any other sessions. All workshops and main speaker events are being recorded and are available on CD or as an electronic download. So we're going to join hands and close with the OA promise, I put my hand in yours. <laughs>